Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yeah. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Oh, The Bachelor? uh, That book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will Mm. sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm-hmm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. So for you to make up this like elaborate story that like you slept on the other side of the bed and like you had to sleep with sweats and a sweatshirt on because you didn't want me to think like you felt so bad and you didn't want me to think that anything was going to happen. Like, it's just, I don't know what you're trying to cover and I don't know why you're dragging me down for something that's not, it was not something that's not even true. Like it's absolutely not true. Yeah, I and mean, I have no reason to lie. Why the hell I lie? Some people really <laughs> so. care care about that image. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and it's Friday, so that means this is 
this week in Bachelor Nation. We're going to be breaking down all the news that has happened this week, all the parasocial plays that have happened this week. We're going to be talking about the Instagram gains of all the players on season 18 of The Bachelorette, Michelle Young. Woohoo! We're going to be screaming from the bottom of the pit, as we always do. And of course, we're going to give you that state of the world where we talk about some piece of news that's happening out there in the bigger, broader world. And then we're going to relate it directly back to The Bachelor. Because as we know, all roads lead to our beloved game. It is all connected, <laughs> as we have said many times on this podcast. But before we get to any of that, we got to tell you gotta. that we have a book that's about to come out called How to Win the Bachelor. We're T-minus we're one month now. Four weeks we have left to get those sales up to hopefully get on the New York Times bestseller list. We've put out a bunch of contests. Mm -hmm. You can go to howtowinthebachelor.com to see those all there. We are approaching the first tier of the group contest, which is if we get 25% of our goal of pre-sales, I am going to release a brand new song called The Bottom of the Pit. Only if we get to 25%, though. And right now we're at about 20%. Y'all, I haven't even listened to this song. I am <laughs> waiting until the pit gets to hear it to listen to the world premiere of this song. I think we can get there. We're close. We are. We're getting very close to that tier. We're about 20 right now. So five more percent. Hell yes. We only need to get to 25. We'll see if it happens. Hopefully it does. And... If we can do that, if we can go a little bit past that, if we get to 50%, Clues and I will do an Instagram live from the shadow of the mansion. If we get to 75%, we will compete in a hoochie competition against each other. And at 100%, there's a mystery prize. Let's pump it up. Let's get there. And there are a bunch of individual contests that you guys can enter as well to get free autographed copies to get a special shirt that we made a while back and never put out for reasons that will become apparent to you if you win one of these shirts. Uh, you can get <laughs> individual Zooms with Pace Case and I, and you can get one very special prize. One person is going to get this extremely special prize that we cannot say what it is, but that person's life will be changed forever. So go to howtowinthebachelor.com. You can enter all these contests. And we also have a brand new shirt out right now that we're celebrating with 12 Days of Merchie, an homage to Katie Thurston's 12 Days of Messy. And the Dark Seeker is doing a fantastic job promoting <laughs> this on our Game of Roses Instagram account with a strange fan fiction story about Pace Case and I. <laughs> the Dark Seeker is actually our generation's Dickens. She's telling this story in 12 pieces of Clues and I, and it is, it's gorgeous. I mean, go to at Game of Roses pod to, to see all the parts of it. There's Clayton's in it. We got the goat, Caitlin Bristow makes a debut. Joe Goldberg is fucking in it. At one point, we're trapped in <laughs> Joe Goldberg's uh, basement lair where he's torturing us. <laughs> this is the lead character of the book and show You. That's right. <laughs> That is now part of Pit Cannon. That's right. And yeah, oh she's just putting together some really gorgeous content that is, you know, it, you have to see it to believe it. And uh, the sauce might be involved somehow as well in this grocery store Joe's sauce. So check that out. Buy the sweatshirt. <laughs> it is a sweatshirt. No matter what clues keep saying. A sweatshirt is a shirt. I mean, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's not. It's absolutely not. 
Check these things out on our social media if you like. And thank you to everybody who's already picked up a book or a shirt or both or sweatshirt, whatever you want to call it. You can get the sweatshirt at etsy.com slash shop slash Game of Roses. And it's different from a shirt. If you want to be warm, you put a sweatshirt on. If you don't, you put a shirt on. This one will keep you warmer. Okay. And we are looking into also making prints, but so far right now, it's just the sweatshirt. That's right. But hopefully prints available soon. But that does it for our opening, our little intro. Now, Pace Case, let's get into talking mm-hmm. about the news of the world. This is Game of Roses. State of the world. The biggest piece of news, at least in America this week, has been the revelation that as a mob engaged in an attempt to violently overthrow the U.S. government last January, many of then-President Donald Trump's most ardent defenders, including one of his own sons, sent an array of frantic text messages to the White House chief of staff in an attempt to persuade Trump to issue any kind of statement condemning and or trying to stop the attack. But none of these same people issued anything remotely approaching the level of concern publicly. What's more... Almost all of them have now taken up the party line of downplaying the severity of the attack and 45's role in it, in what is a clear attempt to erase a literal attack carried out on our government by its own citizens. We're going to read you a few of the messages that Trump's allies sent to the White House Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows, as the attack was underway. Then we're going to read you what they've said publicly about the insurrection since sending those messages. First up is one of Trump's own sons, Donald Trump Jr. This is the uh, the text message he sent to Mark Meadows on the day as it was happening. He's got to condemn this shit ASAP. The Capitol Police tweet is not enough. But then earlier on January 6th, before the violence, he tweeted that his father, in quote, has the people over an image of pro-Trump demonstrators. And then when word began to surface that the Capitol was breached, Trump Jr. changed his tone, tweeting, this is wrong and not who we are. Be peaceful and don't start acting like the other side. We have a country to save and this doesn't help anyone. Then less than a week later, after the House impeached his father for inciting the insurrection, Don Jr. promoted the false narrative that authorities knew the insurrection was coming but didn't do enough to prepare because House Speaker Nancy Pelosi ignored the warnings. On January 14th, he tweeted, if these federal law enforcement agencies had prior knowledge that this was a planned attack, then POTUS didn't incite anything. If he didn't incite anything, then Nancy Pelosi and the Dems used impeachment on yet another sham political witch hunt. On Insurrection Day, Fox News star Laura Ingraham texted, Mark, the president needs to tell people in the Capitol to go home. This is hurting all of us. He is destroying his legacy. Then on her show, the night of January 6th, Ingraham cited false claims that the rioters included leftist provocateurs, saying they were likely not all Trump supporters, and there are some reports Antifa sympathizers may have been sprinkled throughout the crowd. In April, she continued to downplay the attack, saying America's most dangerous insurrectionists weren't those who participated in the mob. Instead, she said, the real threat to our future is Biden and the well-heeled, powerful forces who want us to lose sight of what made America great in the first place. And we, of course, have the big fish himself, Sean Hannity. Text from the Fox News host to the White House read, can he make a statement? Ask people to leave the Capitol. 
Then during his show the following Monday, Hannity called the House committee investigating the attack a Democrat sham and a waste of your time and money. He also falsely said Trump had pushed for extra capital protection before January 6th, but was denied by Pelosi. So we now know that what Republican talking heads are saying in private doesn't match what they're saying in the media, that once the party line has been drawn, they're going to adhere to it, even if it goes against what they actually think, feel, or know to be true. How, you might be wondering, does this all relate back to The (laughs) Bachelor? We're talking about Fox News people. We're talking about Republicans all saying privately they knew the insurrection was Trump's fault and that he had the power to stop it. They tried to urge him to do that. And then one day later, they're all like, well, that wasn't an insurrection. What are you talking about? So how does that relate to The Bachelor? It's pretty simple. The exact same system of lies told through social media and television that exists in the American political system also exists in our beloved game. The show itself has always been based on the basic lie that its sole purpose is to help people find love. This was obviously never the case. It has always been about generating ratings and therefore money for billion-dollar corporations. But in recent years, with the rise of influencer careers, the game has really shifted, at least for the players, to be only about accruing as many followers as possible. We've heard on podcast after podcast that all of the players openly discuss how many followers they have with one another in private, yet, just like the Republicans, they publicly lie about going on the show just to find love and that even thinking about Instagram followers or image, as Becca Kufrin put it in our opening clip for today's show, is a sin against the game itself. Everything is reality TV now, politics, sports, news, and obviously The Bachelor. And despite what Natasha Parker said, that reality TV is real, it is not. It is a manufactured lie perpetuated by the people that make it, and in some cases, where company players are concerned in our beloved game, by the players themselves. We're going to get a little more into this in the news uh, with one of our news items. But what we're seeing now, I believe, is really like a Fox News tier of commentary being done about The Bachelor from the company podcasts. Happy hour, clickbait, et cetera, et cetera. They are upholding whatever the lie is that kind of comes down from on high to be like, here's the party line. Here's how we're promoting this season or this incident or whatever the the thing may be that's kind of the news item du jour for, mm-hmm. for within the nation. And they all support it. And they may, behind the scenes, be saying very different things. Again, we all know they talk about Instagram followers. We all know they talk about Mm -hmm. influencer money and being podcast hosts and all this stuff. We know that they know who the next Bachelor is before it's been announced. Yeah, we did that in in, uh, Digging Deeper a few weeks ago. There's a clip of Grocery Store Joe doing an Us Weekly interview where he's asked, what do you think about Clayton Eckerd being the next Bachelor? And this is before he was officially announced. He's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if he's the Bachelor or not. I'm just focused on Michelle Young's season and her journey to find love. He said that literally. Just a fucking straight lie. Literally. Your accent is perfect at this point. I'm getting I'm getting better. But it was it was a clear lie. It's very similar to how you see these Fox News hosts saying, oh, the insurrection was Nancy Pelosi's fault, yet on the day of, they're like, dude, get Trump to stop this. You yeah. know, it's insane. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty extraordinary what we're seeing come out about that day. And it's, you know, I'm rewatching The Sopranos right now. And it's mm. very much a like, you don't ever, 
I mean, because 45 doesn't, these tweet, these texts aren't 245. He doesn't text or do email or whatever. Right. So he's got that coverage around him, a la Tony. Yes. And that's something that we don't know here either. It's these, these texts, A, that, that people who are like on Fox News even have access to the personal text message of the White House chief of staff is insane to me. Yeah. That, that, piece of information alone should be alarming to a lot of us, let alone the fact that they're the ones who are trying to keep the president in check. And we don't know. They're sending these texts, but do they get to him? Or does the White House chief of staff just stop them right there? We don't know. We don't know what actual access they had. But at the very least, also, these text messages reveal how each of these people really thought about this and that Mm -hmm. what they're doing on screen is just to make money that they knew this was bad. They knew he could stop it. And then when they go on camera, they will say whatever they need to say to continue to get their ratings. That's exactly what The Bachelor is as well. It's all sauce, baby. (laughs) (laughs) That is just the sauce talking. Okay, just the sauce. Well, that (laughs) wraps up our State of the World (laughs) this week. I just, for me, this was a one-to-one parallel just watching this. But I mean, it's true of all news, all, all television, generally speaking, is a lie to some degree. And then when we get these little moments where like the texts come out and we hear the truth, and again, we're going to cover something very similar to this in the news. Yes. It is very eye-opening, I think. But nothing seems to change. No one seems to really care. It's just, mm-hmm. yep, that's what's happening. And now what's next on my Netflix queue? Mm-hmm. Sopranos. Right, Sopranos and yours. And what is next in our queue for today's show is a segment in which we discuss what is happening to all the Instagram accounts of the players from this season, 18, in our beloved game. This is... This Week in Games. Once again, we must face the hard truths of season 18 of The Bachelorette where the ratings are concerned. (laughs) Despite the traditional uptick that all other seasons have experienced as they head into the final two episodes, this week's Tuesday night offering of the final round of playoffs, a.k.a. the Fantasy Suites, failed to yield higher numbers than either the first or second episode of the season, coming in at a .69 in the target demo with 3.2 million raw viewers. This is a very average performance, at least for this season, which very likely means that the audience bleed off through the middle of the season was permanent. And as the game once again, was unable to secure the top spot among network shows on Tuesday. It came in second place behind CBS's FBI, which had more than doubled the total viewers of The Bachelorette. We have one more week left. The three-hour season finale. Will viewers tune back in to watch the conclusion of this historic season, or have they written this one off for good? We're going to have to wait and see. Now let's move on to the top five gains chart for the players of Bachelorette Season 18 since December 9th last week. The gold medal in gains goes to the real estate developer from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and QuiCon man Joe Coleman. He gained 21.1K followers, bringing him to 72.3K total for his Huju his puzzle piece play, his ziplining enthusiasm play, and his 4TRR limo exit tier play. The silver medal in gains goes to nothing but Nate, the sales executive from the North, Nate Olakoya. He gained 11,000 Instagram followers this week, bringing him to 125K total for his Huju, 
his bro slash foe play through the week, his double play of the game, double MVP status, withholding his LL4 until the morning, aka LL4 edging, extracting a love level four <laughs> from Young herself, his first flower, and showing us the power of Charminance once again. The bronze medal in gains goes to the traveling nurse recruiter from Portland, Oregon, Brandon Jones. He gained 9.8K followers, bringing him to 63.8K total for his Huju, his Love Level 4, and his mid-rose ceremony Hail Mary clues. Yeah. There's been something I've been meaning to bring up that I keep forgetting related to Brandon. Do you remember in the round of six, he cringled Michelle Young with a bracelet? Mm-hmm. And he said, if you are wearing this bracelet at my hometown date, my parent, my family will accept you. Yes. So she was not wearing that bracelet during the hometown. This was brought to my attention by Kylie Augustine, a friend of mine, mm. noted this. And I was like, that is interesting. It is. I had not noticed. Yeah, I kind of forgot about it as we were going into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was an extraordinary play, but. Why didn't we see the back half? Because she already knows she's not picking him. She's like, this doesn't match my outfit. (laughs) Yeah. Nor do you match my intended lifestyle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, had to get that in there. Thank you, Kylie, for the hot tip. Yeah, no, that's worth noting for sure. That was a strong play by him. I remember we talked about it when he did it. And then... It didn't wind up happening. So I wonder if he was aware of it during the hometown as well, where he was like, mm-hmm. oh, shit, she's not wearing the bracelet. We, we saw no editing of it, no indication of it. But moving on, fourth place this week goes to the sales representative from Rancho Cucamonga, California, and Granny Smith stand Rodney Matthews. He gained 9.3K this week, bringing him to 72.2K total for his 4TR Heartbreak Hot Seat Swan Song Echo Exit Bump. It's a fucking mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) You know. I was like, could I take out some words? I could. No, put in more. (laughs) But as many as you can. That's the old (laughs) H-H-S-S-S-E-E-B. Truly reached the point of no return in which no one could understand anything we're saying. H-H-S-S-S-E-E-E-E-E-B, you know. Fifth place in gains goes to the IFT analyst from Newark, New Jersey, Olumide, a.k.a. Olu, a.k.a. Suolu Onahide. He gained 4.2K, bringing him to 38K total for his 4TRR orange suit, swan song, echo exit bump. And moving on to the crown herself. Michelle Young has gained 6,000 Instagram followers this week, bringing her to 632K total. She has gained 0.3K Twitter followers this week, bringing her to 22.3K total. And just for some comparison, again, Michelle Young's at 632K. Mm -hmm. This time in Katie Thurston's season... With one week left, she had 960K. Mm, Not looking good. That is a difference. And Katie Thurston's season, her season was the lowest rated season in history up to this point. Mm -hmm. Well, the nation is tired, it appears. Now for our top five chart as of today, Thursday, December 16th, number one. Nothing but Nate's Olukoya and his terminants maintain the lead at 125K. 
the only player in the 100K club. Not even our next crown and second place finisher in the top five chart this week and Ultimate Viking, Clayton Eckers. I'm the Ultimate Viking! He's at 91.9K. Good job. Quicon Joe Coleman has jumped to third place at 72.3K. Nipping at his heels is Appleman Rodney Matthews in fourth place at 72.2K. And rounding out the top five is Sweet Talking Brandon Jones at 63.8K. This season's Instagram gains have been absolutely dismal. And certainly the below regular ratings have something to do with that. But again, Katie Thurston's season also had these low ratings. Not quite this low, but nonetheless, they were the lowest in the show's history at that time when her season was airing. And the players from Bachelorette Mm -hmm. Season 17 were turning in much higher Instagram gains than we're seeing this season. Heading into the final week of the show, as it was airing, the top five players were Blake Moynes, who had 246K, Justin Glaze, who was the only sub 100K player at 48.6. And we talked at length about how terrible that was, that he was literally a Mm -hmm. finalist and he wasn't cracking 100K. Uh, Then Greg Grippo had 319K. Michael Olio had 196. And Andrew Spencer had 190. This is way worse. Insane. So you can see that this season is producing the worst parasocial return we've ever seen. And it can't just be the ratings. Why are these players not stacking up against the players from any other season in recent history? I personally think it's the edits. I think the producers are scared of another Matt James type season happening that ends in disaster. And much of that disaster Mm -hmm. is because of what they tried to do to create drama. So they've done everything they can do to make this season safe for Michelle Young, going so far as to really remove any hint of a villain or rivalry. And in making a season that is so preoccupied with protecting the lead, and giving the impression that this is only a love story, they've sacrificed the drama. And what we're learning as an audience, I think, is that's really why we watch. That's the true reason that we watch the show is to see the rivalries, to see what players do in weird circumstances and stuff. And we're just not getting mm-hmm. any of that this season. I mean, they're letting Michelle Young kick off villains as soon as she wants to. You know, I think in other seasons, they might force her to keep keep the folder guy for, well, they won't reveal the folder guy until halfway through and it'll make them seem like they've really been tricking Michelle Young. And I don't think they want that. She wouldn't have been able to kick off Jamie. You know, so they would have, the villains would have more staying power. So you're waiting around to watch that. You can't have a completely 4TRR season. No, I agree. You can't. It's completely fucking boring. And like we said, we we knew from night one, Nate was going to win. So even the, the perceived drama of like, oh shit, who's she going to pick? At least for us, there was none. Mm-hmm. To be clear, we don't know spoilers, but we don't we believe Nate will win. We saw his play on night one and we were like, this. he's heads and shoulders literally and figuratively above everyone else. Mm-hmm. But the question now remains, have we gone through a looking glass kind of moment with the show where if the producers really show their hand, if they try to you know, put together too much drama, if they really try to engineer these situations where it's clear they're fucking people over, like bringing in five players in the middle of a season, is it too much? Is the audience now too savvy? Will they be like, what the fuck are you doing? Because there's this weird line. And again, say what you will about Elon Gale. I think he walked this line perfectly between being able to manipulate situations and players, but also making it seem like they care about the love story. 
he was always mm-hmm. riding it. So you were always like, oh, okay. Like when Chase Rice shows up, not that that was his season, but like, that's a good example of it. Chase Rice shows up and you're like, wait a minute, the producers had to have done that, but it kind of plays. It kind of works. Cause you just get a little pop of like, oh, pilot Pete's asking him for his phone number and stuff. Not seemingly not knowing. <laughs> we now know that he did know before all of this happened, but they don't have that anymore. Now it's like they either bring in an army of people late in the season to form these two teams that hate each other and like all this negative drama or you get a Michelle Young season where it's like mm-hmm. the most dramatic thing that happened is maybe somebody threw a jacket in the pool. <laughs> Someone said the other person is making too many pizza references. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wonder if we're just like in a new like society is at a different point. I wonder how the nation would react to a villain, you know, an infamous villain such as Chad Johnson. Mm -hmm. People would probably be up in arms and be like, you're creating a dangerous environment. Like, get this guy out of here. Right. But that's also the game that we love. That's what makes reality TV interesting is that these situations aren't normal. They aren't regular. They aren't safe. By the very virtue of going into... (laughs) The Bachelor. You're saying, I'm giving up my cell phone. I'm giving up my personal freedoms. Your shirt might get ripped. Yeah, your shirt might get ripped. Who the fuck knows what's going to happen? Even in stuff that isn't like generated by players necessarily. Look at what happened to Kirkconnell on the skydiving date. Like you're you're doing things that could potentially land you in serious harm, just physically in some of the forced violence mm-hmm. group dates, all that kind of stuff. That's why we're watching it. That's the part of this that is entertaining to us. And I think if you remove too much of it, it becomes so boring that people stop watching. I don't know how they ride that line. If what you're saying is true, that as a a media consumer society, we can now see through the lie of it too much. And we get pissed if we perceive the environment they're creating to be too hostile. I wonder. I don't know. Like I, you know, the version of this where they let the folder guy continue Mm -hmm. and they let the folder guy have a bunch of ITMs is like, an Ashley Hebert season where they let this guy Bentley get almost all the way to the end when he was outwardly saying that he was faking his feelings for her to camera in his ITMs, but then faking it to her. And it's like, I don't know if the nation would be, they they definitely wouldn't be okay if that was happening to Michelle Young. Well, see though, here's the thing with the folders and, and what you're talking about versus Bentley. I think you could maybe still have ITMs from the person And you could still show him, like if it's Ryan Fox, you can still show him with the folders. It's when you send in the hosts, when you send in Caitlin Bristow and Tasha Adams to look through his shit and they're like, oh my God, he has these folders. But now they, who are characters in the show, are not telling the lead. Then it becomes very obvious that you're withholding this information from her. But I think, at least to the general viewing audience, if you just have shots of him doing it and it seems like a documentary, the the people behind the camera aren't there for most people who are watching the show. I don't think most people are thinking like, oh, the producers know about this. Why aren't they telling her? They're just like, oh, my God, I can't believe that guy's doing this. So that's what they should have done. They should have gotten an image of him holding up the folder and then go in his room when he's not there and film all the things that are in it. Yes. For one season. So it's not on Ultimate Girl Gang to reveal it. And then you don't send in Ultimate Girl Gang. You send in Will Yurina. Mm-hmm. You send in Pizzapreneur. You make another player make that mm. discovery. Then it becomes yes. a situation within the show. Yes. That is what should have happened. It's just bad producing in that specific instance. Like they had a gold mine there and they just shit it away. Just terrible producing. Yeah. Let Clayton find it. 
<laughs> Give him a storyline. See what Clayton would do with it. I found some folders and this guy was writing in it. And, uh, you know, I didn't see one mention of pizza. So he's a bad guy. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Football! Thank you for this glimpse into an alternate universe in which Clayton found the folders and is upset there's no pizza. Exactly. He's like, but at least they spelled Bachelorette correctly. Right, if he knows how to spell it. But that wraps up all of our gains for this week, and now it's time to move on to that segment of our program in which we discuss all of the most luscious tids from around our nation. Clues. Underwear drawers... They're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. Y- you got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and my, um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, MeUndies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies, comfort from the outside in. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got. 
going on. And OneSkin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. And this is... Bachelor Nation News. First up in Bachelor Nation News, Colton Underwood has become public enemy number one within the nation this week. The 23rd Bachelor has been critical of the franchise and the players recently stating that Chris Harrison was the only person to reach out to him from within the nation when he came out on Good Morning America to promote his show Coming Out Colton, which is now streaming on Netflix. On the December 8th Almost Famous podcast, the 20th Bachelor, Benji Higgins, said, in quotes, Colton said that nobody from Bachelor Nation reached out to him, kind of after coming out, and that's just not true. It kind of erupted my gut a little bit. I know of multiple people that did, including myself, including friends of mine that reached out to him. So I don't know why he's saying that. I just don't get it. I don't know if that's a good headline. I don't know if it just makes the rest of us look unsupportive or what. I just don't understand this stuff sometimes. It's like, are you just trying to make everybody else look bad and for people to feel bad? Because like Colton, I know people who did, including myself. And so that's just a lie. Higgins even sent Underwood a book that was written by a friend that discusses coming out as a Christian. The goat. The male goat. (laughs) To be clear, Nick Vial. (laughs) didn't miss the opportunity for relevance when he used his own podcast this week to read messages he himself sent to Colton. This is a quote from Vial. April 14th, 7.30 a.m. I don't know if that's the day of his Good Morning America appearance, but I believe it was. Congrats, bud. Hope you're in a happier place. With a heart. He hearted it immediately. So he saw it and then said, thank you, man. I'm doing so good and happy. I said, great to hear rooting for your happiness. He's just a liar. It's weird when people lie about little things they don't need to lie about for attention, end quote. And perhaps the most damning accusations came from company woman Tasha Adams on her official Bachelor Nation podcast, Bachelor Happy Hour. Adams, of course, made it all the way to the second round of playoffs with Underwood in season 23, where she spent a night with him in the fantasy suite. We opened the show with a clip from her condemnation of Underwood, but it opened with a setting straight of the record about his garb on that fateful night. In quotes, no, Colton Underwood did actually not sleep in sweatpants and a sweatshirt that night. He actually slept in boxers that night because it was so hot in Portugal. And I remember because the door was wide open and it was raining outside and we were trying to get air ventilation. It was so hot and sticky. So there's actually no way he would have been in sweats and a sweatshirt. Maybe she also confuses sweatshirts. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Oh, God. No one knows why Underwood would have generated these lies, what purpose they possibly served. But one thing is certain, 
these players have decided to turn against him in service of some version of a truth that they actually seem to care about. And what's more, the producers themselves have clearly turned against him, as well giving the green light to the official Bachelor Nation podcast to attack him as they see fit. Is it possibly this is retribution for his success outside the confines of the show? Has his troubled past with season 23 ring winner Cassie Randolph rendered him permanent persona non grata within the nation? We can't say, but one thing is certain. This is the most egregious attack on a former lead from ex-leads, players, and producers we have yet seen. It's certainly a step up from the scene they included in Bachelor in Paradise where everyone shit on his kissing. And it's it was like coordinated. This is what makes me think the producers are kind of behind this or whoever's controlling the podcast world of The Bachelor, the official ones, you know. Mm. You theorize there's a memo. Yeah, I do. Or at least a phone call or something. Because even Almost Famous and Vile Files, those aren't official Bachelor Nation, but those are leads. They're friends of the nation still. They get benefits from the nation. Mm-hmm. And all of this shit happened within like 24 hours. Like why the thing Colton said happened a while ago where he was like, Chris Harrison was the only person who contacted me. We reported on it last week in Bachelor Nation mm-hmm. News. So there was a week that went by where they said nothing. And then all of a sudden, boom, on the same day, they're all levying these taxes. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not true. This is, he's fucking playing bullshit. And I think it may be because in his show and, and in his promotion of the show, he's been critical of the show itself of Bachelor Nation, of how they treated him, of how they treated Cassie and all that stuff. I wonder if they have ratings in now, like the show is doing really well. Which show? Coming out Colton. I Somebody was saying in our chat when we did our live that it did get picked up for a second season. So, Or some there's going to be some version of a spinoff where it's him and his boyfriend now. I don't know if that's going to be an official season two or it's going to be another Netflix show that's, that's him, whatever it's going to be. But I just found this interesting that we're now at this moment in the game where through podcasts, through social media. I mean, these, this, all of these were done on podcasts. It was on Almost Famous, Vile Files, and Happy Hour. These podcasts, once again, can be used to uphold whatever the party line is going to be. And right now, it's fuck Colton Underwood. And the fact that they're attacking him primarily for these these small lies. Like, okay, so we said Chris Harrison was the only one who came out or who supported him. Mm-hmm. Clearly, other people did. He lied about what he wore in the fantasy suite. These aren't like earth-shattering, crazy things. Yeah, I mean, maybe Chris Harrison took him out to lunch or something versus yeah. like a DM. I don't know. Who knows? But the idea that any of these players actually gives a fuck about the truth is insane to me because they have all lied <laughs> in service of this show a million times and continue to do so almost on a daily basis. <laughs> That's just that sauce life, baby. It is. It's the hypocrisy of sauce life. <laughs> Up next in Bachelor Nation news, some later fare. The season 26 official player photos and bios have been released. The ABC Bachelor website has published all 31 rookies' info and images alone with Bachelor Clayton Eckerd and host Jesse Palmer. The photos all have a washed-out, light gray background, and the biographical information is similar to what we've seen in the past. You can see it all on the official ABC website or any number of the usual Bachelor coverage outliers like Us Weekly. This is always an exciting time of the year. When we get our first glimpses of the incoming crop of rookie players, we did a complete Instagram analysis of every one of these players this Monday. 
which you can listen to at patreon.com slash game of roses. And I've been following their Instagram since this, and I, I even have some adjustments to make on my final four. We do wish all of these incoming players good luck in the season to come. We know this is an exciting time for all of them, too. Getting to see their faces and names on the ABC website makes it official. Couldn't be happier for all incoming rookies to this season 26. It's a season that I personally have been looking forward to for a very long time. And from mm-hmm. all the promos and stuff that are coming out, like I don't think it's going to disappoint. I think this season is going to be yeah. very good. And congrats. The Instagrams also did not disappoint. We have 100% professional players. Absolutely. Like top to bottom, every one of them knows exactly what the fuck they're doing on Instagram. I'm hopeful that what we're going to see come out of this season is the biggest crop of influencers that we have ever seen. I think we're going to have multiple million player, million Instagram account players coming out of the season. I think it's going to be like a return back to season 24. It's a bold prediction on top of a top five with only one player in the 100K club. (laughs) But think about this. All the people who have taken off for Michelle Young's season, they're all going to come back for season 26, I think. Hopefully. Hopefully Michelle Young's season wasn't Mm -hmm. the thing that broke the the ritualized behavioral patterns of people who like to watch The Bachelor. It might have been, you know? I don't know. We'll see. Not for me, obviously, but... Or everyone is really busy on Tuesday nights, but now it's back on Monday. Well, of course. It's like, it's the same thing as like Sunday football, Monday Bachelor nights, you know? I do think that that is going to help, but we'll see. Congratulations mm-hmm. again to all these players. It's it's great to see all of the official stuff coming out. And now we're going to move on to our third item of Bachelor Nation News. It involves the Mossman. Following in the footsteps of Mm. icons like Jared Iaconetti and the GOAT, Nick Vial, the first ring winner of Bachelorette Season 16 is about to be an actor. Moss landed a role in a movie (laughs) called Love Game Match. The movie follows an economics teacher named Liz. This is, I'm not making this up. I know that there was some talk of... (laughs) Of a Dace case for a little bit. But the movie follows an economics teacher named Liz who agrees to test out some of her students' online matchmaking services. And Moss plays a tennis coach named Ted who is asked to work with Liz to plan the school's carnival. There's no specific release date for the film as of December 14th, but the trailer notes it should come out sometime in 2022. Congrats to the Mossman on taking this next step in his illustrious career. I have seen this trailer, by the way. Have you? Oh, of course I have. And we have talked about who the first Bachelor player would be to win an Oscar. Uh You know, it's inevitable it'll happen at some point. And I think we might have it here. I think we're still going to be waiting after uh, (laughs) after watching the trailer. (laughs) We'll see whose predictions come true. (laughs) Mine will. This is not even a prediction. This is obvious. This he's terrible in this movie. Just could not be. Look, he's better than Nick Vial, of course, okay? I was going to say, Clues earlier this week told me it was better than Nick Vial. I'm glad you admit it. (laughs) Nick Vial is one of the worst actors I've ever seen in my life for a wide variety of reasons. Dale Moss is trying here, and he's he's rendering something that is, like, approaching believability, but he's just... There's he has no emotive capabilities. He is just kind of a blank slate. I ship it. Hashtag Liz and Ted forever. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'm sure we'll we'll watch that movie or at least a couple of scenes from it when it comes out. But again, congratulations to Mr. Moss on this next step. I'm I'm curious to see if he gets any more roles after it. And finally, in the news this week, 
Ashley Iaconetti took the next step in her fetus game with a baby shower. The greatest tier player of all time enjoyed a day with her friends, including fellow BIP star and One Million Club member Carly Waddell. The shower took place on December 12th at Botino, an Italian restaurant in New York City. Iaconetti, who announced in July that she and Jared Iaconetti are expecting their first child, showed off some of her shower gifts via Instagram on Sunday. Among the offerings were a Jonas Brothers onesie from Waddell and a Navy long sleeve onesie with future bachelor written on it, which to me mm. harkened back to some of those viewer crashing parties where you saw people like big families were mm-hmm. having bachelor viewing parties and their little babies were dressed in like future Mrs. Higgins. Do you remember that shit? Oh, yeah. Fun times. You gotta do parasocial play with your baby's onesies. Yep. The shower was, of course, sponsored by Snuggle Me Organic and planned by Mora Gaudio of Happening Entertainment. Congratulations to Ashley Iaconetti. We are all anxiously awaiting the emergence of what we believe will be one of the strongest parasocial children in the nation. That rounds out all of the tids that were fit to print this week. And now we're going to move on to discussing what all the players were doing off the field and in the world that actually matters, the primary world, the metaverse. This is... The parasocial play, 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 play of the week. Speaking of Dale Moss's acting debut, Claire Crawley posted an Instagram story this week in response to the trailers of The Parasocial Player. She posted an image of her legs in a sauna with the words written, for the record, you guys can stop sending me all the acting real clips. I had a front row seat to that since day one. Side smile emoji. This was some fucking epic shade coming at the Moss Man himself from our first season 16 Bachelorette, Claire Crawley, just fucking roasting this man alive. I lulled hard at this. It was fucking great. Next up in Parasocial Plays, season 17 players, Andrew Spencer and Greg Grippo met up and got relationship advice from another Bachelor stan, Harry Potter, a.k.a. Daniel Radcliffe, as they posted an image of the three on Andrew Spencer's Instagram story. With a caption that read, not gonna lie, he gave us the best relationship advice I've ever heard. Lightning bolt emoji. I fucking love this. Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe, but whatever. He's Harry Potter. Until they make yeah. the remakes, and then we'll see who they cast as the new Harry Potter. He's Equus. Yeah, that's, that's what he's most known for. But he's an icon in millennial culture, as is Harry Potter, uh-huh. obviously. And to see him in the nation, palling around with Grippo and Spencer, giving them relationship, it's like, it's mind-bending to me. He's like the Luke Skywalker of this generation, the Jesus Christ of uh-huh. this generation. He's in the nation? Yeah. It's all connected. Expecto Patronum. I don't know what that means. Season 18, night one player, Ryan Fox. It means I have a Patronus. What? <laughs> Go. Season 18, night one player, Ryan Fox reacted to his edit <laughs> on the Mental All in his Instagram stories this week. He said, they literally cut all my explanation out. Crying, laughing emoji, like about my brother, family, and career. Crazy stuff. Crying, laughing emoji, just like in the show, to make me seem worse. Just the irony is insane. Mind exploding emoji. Talked about how I have anxiety and nerves and journaling and writing notes to be prepared allows me to relax. 
how it's helped me in my educational and professional career. Sheesh, clean out. Crying, laughing emojis. Damn, not even my apology to Michelle. Crying, laughing emojis. It was really good. Savage. We love when players reveal what has been cut from the document and even more when they speak openly about their emotions in reaction to that. Our runner-up for Parrot Social Play of the Week is first sand of the last BIP, Abigail Herringer, in a multi-slide Instagram main grid post. She showed off her cochlear implant and talked about her time on The Bachelor. Her caption read, as 2021 starts to wrap up, I just wanted to say thank you to you all for the past year. The amount of support and love I've experienced through DMs, comments, and more continues to blow me away. When I first got the call saying that they wanted to cast me for The Bachelor, I called my mom in a panic. I was excited, but also so scared and unsure if I wanted to talk about my hearing loss on TV, especially on a show that hasn't had much disability representation. What if people weren't going to be kind? What if they were going to be ignorant? After countless awkward interactions growing up, I had become so used to trying to act normal, which meant to me undermining my hearing loss, acting like I had nothing different about me. I wouldn't tell new friends, first dates, teachers, and I felt guilty about it. I had something beautifully different about me. And so when my mom said, if sharing your story can help just one person, one family, you should do it. And that's all it took for me to say yes. Since then, life has been crazy and practically changed overnight, but gaining the confidence to post a picture showing my cochlear implant or talking about my hearing loss didn't happen as quickly. It took me 26 years, but I got here and I'm not ready to stop sharing. I'd like to think a lot of you are here because you have a similar situation, know someone that is deaf or hard of hearing, or simply just curious and want to learn more. And I'm happier here. Black heart emoji, camera emoji at VibeX Visuals. This post has 201.5K likes and 1,533 comments, including many heavy hitters in the nation. It's truly inspiring, 4TRR, powerful post. Thanking everyone who has a parasocial relationship with Herringer. Love to see a first-hand player continuing to dominate in the parasocial arena and look forward to her future play. Fantastic play from Fimpro's recipient, Abigail Herringer. And all of these were excellent plays this week. But as Christopher Lambert famously said in a little movie called The Highlander, there can be only one. There can be only one. Thank you. That's a dead-on impersonation. If anybody's seen The Highlander, dead on. If you haven't, you need to watch it. Our parasocial <laughs> play of the week goes to ninth place player from season 17, Sean Lowe. It's Sarah Heron. She made an extraordinary series of videos in her Instagram stories this week with her review of a book called How to Win the Bachelor. In these videos, she uses an impressive multiplying effect to speak directly to camera, showing her parasocial audience the book, along with her parasocial gaze. She says she's obsessed with the game, thinks it's hilarious, and finds it odd she hasn't appeared in the book yet, due to the fact that she's already gotten to the PTC section, which outlines PTC type number five, disability. But Sarah, if you keep reading, you'll find that you are mentioned on the forced violence group date explanation. <laughs> and we directly <laughs> reference your roller derby date in season 17 with Sean Lowe. You're, you're in the forced violence. <laughs> I I don't know how she had time to make this brilliant content between making an iconic adventurous Fitbit spawn con. What's strong with you that I am now seeing literally everywhere. It is between all of my yoga with Adriana ads but I am very happy that she did. She's one of our favorite players of all time, both in-game and parasocially. To see that she's fallen deep in the pit warms my heart. It was a fantastic play. We cannot thank you enough, 
Sarah for making the play, taking the time to do it. And Mm -hmm. it was just beautifully done. What can you say? And winning this objective award for it. Very objective, as are all of our awards, Mm -hmm. including the next one that we have to get to (laughs) that involves some creatures. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. All right. So this very Uh, prestigious, objective, based on statistics award. What creature yeah. was the best creature in the parasocial world this week? We had a couple of entries. Mm-hmm. Amanda Stanton's fiance's dog, George, the golden retriever, was ready for Christmas in a festive sweater and antlers. Of course, the villain queen of season 16, Courtney Robertson's cat, Smokey Robertson, got cozy under the Christmas tree in one of her stories. But just as I said up top again, Christopher Lambert, there can be only one. There can be only one. And that was... Rachel Lindsay's pooch Copper. He had some things he needed to get off his chest. In a gorgeous parasocial gaze, Copper was strutting his stuff in front of presence with another creature and finally admits he's upset that the world doesn't revolve around him, all to the sound of a young child speaking. Well, Copper, with this award, I hope you now know that at least in the parasocial creature world... It does revolve around you, at least this week. Congrats to (laughs) Copper. Copper was actually in the document, too, if you remember during Rachel Lindsay's historic season 13 of The Bachelorette. He made an appearance. Do I remember? He was in her intro video. I believe he has had ITMs. Oh, my God. That seems right to me as well. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Is he the only creature to have an ITM? Oh, my God. I think they gave one to Adam Jr. Yes. Copper has an ITM. Are you saying Adam Jr., the doll of Adam Gottschalk that they made him carry around during his season, is a creature? No, but they gave the (laughs) doll an ITM. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, they did. Okay, so Copper's ITM appears to be during the Bachelorette season. That makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah, congrats. I love Copper. Copper is gorgeous. He's great. Beautiful pump. But that wraps up all those parasocial plays that we have to discuss. Now it's time for Pace, Case, and I to... You know, I always say it's time for us to descend into the pit, into the darkest waters and issue our screams. But really, it's just time to accept mm-hmm. that we're there all the time. That we we never are descending into the pit. We're just living down in the bottom of it. And this is really yeah. just a time when we get to attempt to unburden ourselves from... Scream upward. Yeah, exactly. To just be like, we're still down here and still digging. This is... Screams from the pit. I've had similar screams to my scream this week. Before, I had a similar scream in La Quinta when I went for a few days to try to unwind with some friends. I had a similar scream when I went on a brief trip to Las Vegas and I visited the site of Lenise Adams' first kiss on The Bachelor. And now my scream this week is that... I am in both Michelle Young and Joe Coleman's hometown right now, Minneapolis, Minnesota. I am at uh, the Midwest offices of Gore. It is cold. And (laughs) I am about a half mile away from Joe Coleman's high school. (laughs) That's pretty cool. And... I, you know, I'm here for the holidays and I'm trying everything in my power to just treat this like a, like a hometown trip that you would take in real life with a partner, but I cannot, I cannot separate it 
from the game at this point. I'm like, I want to go to this high school. I want to go do all of the things that they did. I'm going to go to the Viking Stadium where they had the ultimate Viking group date. That is in the itinerary. And I'm like, I I just don't know how my life has become this. Did I somehow seek this out? No, I think it sought us out. I don't think we ever intended for this to happen. This wasn't a goal, but here we are. Yeah. I would just ask that when you go to Viking Stadium, can you just close mm-hmm. your eyes for a moment and listen closely? See if you can still hear the faint echo of Clayton Eckerd screaming, I'm the ultimate Viking! I'm the ultimate Viking! Bouncing off the walls, because it's still in there. The energy of it is still there. Mm-hmm. I can guarantee I will hear that echo because I will be screaming that <laughs> at the top of my lungs. I am the ultimate Viking. I'm the ultimate Viking! You have got to take a video of that, please. I will. I will. Fucking, that'll be my most cherished <laughs> video. Oh my God. I've already been thinking about the parasocial content I could make due to where I, the location I'm in. And I'm like, why can't I just enjoy, you know, we don't get many breaks. That is enjoying it, though. Making the content is enjoying, in my opinion. <laughs> well, it uh, must be done. So that is my scream this week. Yeah, it's a great scream. Well, congratulations on, you know, taking this journey. I know that probably the bachelor part of it is secondary to you to why you're actually there, but <laughs> it doesn't have to be. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Is it? I don't know. Doesn't have to be. Yeah. Thanks. Uh-huh. No problem. <laughs> it could take the back. You know, it could take the front seat. The only way out is through. Let the bachelor take the wheel. Speaking of letting the bachelor take the wheel, my screen this week has to do with letting something else take the wheel. Per your mm. insistence, per your recommendation, I indulged in another reality TV show this week called. <gasps> Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Stop. Are you serious? Yeah. I watched the first episode. I did. Oh my God. Thank you so much. And uh, it was funny for sure. And like all of the people in it are super entertaining. Like I liked it. Definitely. Uh The scream is not that though. The scream is that I felt guilt and shame about liking it. What? There was some part of me. Yes. Why? Because it's not The Bachelor. I felt that I was doing something bad, something wrong. It was like, as I'm watching it, you know, look, any reality show I watch now, I'm looking for the game of it and how to break it apart. And I see a game in that for sure. Don't get me wrong. Like, there's definitely a game in there being played. I do too. But it's not the same game. It has different components. As some overlap, there's some things that are like similar PTCs Mm -hmm. and things of that nature there for sure. But I found myself having these thoughts that are like, you're you're wasting your analysis. Not that I can even help it. When I watch anything, it just starts happening. But I was like, you're wasting your analysis and your time on this thing that's not The Bachelor. And I felt fucking guilt. I continued to watch the whole first episode, but I was like, shit, I don't know. I, I can't, I'm like spreading myself too thin or something. I wanted to make sure that all of my focus was still on our beloved game. And then I had that moment where I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Like, you can't even now watch just another Uh reality show frivolously because of this? And that is the truth of it. I can't. I hope I can assuage you because I've had similar screams, you know? Mm -hmm. I've talked about this, having to stop counting the kisses when I'm watching Love Island or something like that. But 
I think it can sharpen your bachelor tool set by mm. looking at these other things, looking at maybe different ways that things are done. And I definitely look, there's a housewives pit. I'm in it. There is a game. And I would be fascinated to talk with you about that of the different strategies you can get to stay as a housewife. Cause that's what you really want to do. You don't want to get kicked off. But in, in order to do that, I would have to watch, we'd have to hyper binge all of the housewives. And th- that is a mountain of fucking media. It took us two and a half months to get through 25 seasons. I did it during COVID. What? I caught up on all of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. But meticulously recording everything. No. Interesting. Well, time will, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm not prepared to make any statements publicly about what my relationship with the housewives is going to be. <laughs> it can also just be something that you enjoy, you know, that you don't have to do work for. Yeah, I know how to do that. Sure. It's just <laughs> something that I enjoy without turning it into a fucking job or an art project. There's a deeper scream here. There is a deeper scream. Yes. You can have time to relax. Oh, okay. So anyway, that's my scream. And now we're going to move on to... Okay, shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to move on to a scream that comes to us via our Discord, which you can all access if you go to patreon.com slash Game of Roses. You sign up, you join us in the bottom of the pit, you're going to get access to our Discord, and you can submit your screams there. And today, our scream comes to us from a user named Bakula. And we're going to play it for you now, and then we're going to discuss. Here we go. Hi, Pitt. So today I had my end-of-year performance review at my job, which I was super anxious about because of the usual. I'm probably not doing my best work alone in my pajamas all day trying to be interested in corporate finance when I could be watching videos of dogs becoming friends. Um, So I was giving myself a pep talk before my meeting. I realized that the advice that I was giving myself was the kind of advice you'd give before a one-on-one. I was like, girl, your fourth audience game is fine. Your best friend literally just sent you a picture of a cat in a sweater. And also her company has an opening if things go downhill. Your second audience game is great. Your coworkers like you and your manager knows that. All you have to do is focus on the first audience. Maybe sprinkle in a hint of a PTC if things go badly. But if you don't need it, hold it back. Wait until it's necessary. And above all else praise the process. I really like working for this company. I'm really excited for the projects lined up for next year. I really appreciate all of the opportunities that I've been given. It went fine. I got the rose, so I will still be employed next week. I can still pay for my Hulu so I can watch The Bachelor. I can still pay for this Patreon. Thank you, Pace Case. Thank you, Bachelor Clues. Thank you, Bakula. I fucking love screams like this, where it's Telling us that, oh, the game mechanics that you guys have identified in Bachelor also apply to like everything, basically. Dating, my job, in my wedding vows, whatever it may be. Oh, I fucking love it. And I'm glad that the performance review went well as well. That the strategies not only could be applied, that they worked. They helped you. First, off the bat, Bekula, amazing voice. Start a podcast. Second, I love the idea that you know, company manning is a good strategy to do for your job. And also that the definition of a job is the thing that you do so that you can <laughs> subscribe to our Patreon, which is the true purpose of life. I mean, it is for anyone who wants to be deep down in the bottom of the pit. But again, we cannot thank you enough for submitting these screams. We love hearing this stuff. This one just is like, it really brings into sharp focus for me, the question of 
how many people out there that are listening to our show are thinking of this shit when they're in like work situations or dating situations yes. or whatever? Because I don't think this is an isolated scream. It happens to fucking be. I think of like the shit that we have written down in our book and all the shit that is now like essentially formed the structure of how I view the world. I think of it all the time in multiple situations yeah. constantly. I mean, as soon as you hear the term PTC, you think of what your PTC or PTCs would be. So then the next time you're telling it to someone in any situation, you're going to be like, I'm playing my PTC. Yes. And in this case, to great effect. So thanks again for sending in that scream. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry I didn't do all my work last month, but my grandma has COVID. You see? Boom. Perfectly played. PTC coming in the clutch. But thanks again for submitting that scream. And thanks to everybody who joined us today for this week in Bachelor Nation. Again, our book is going to be out in one month. You can pre-order it now at howtowinthebachelor.com. And you can also pick up our brand new shirt, which is a fabulous design by Ella Tolkien, who did our 4TRR shirt. And this one is an image of Pace Case and myself down in the very pit that we have just screamed from, surrounded by uh-huh. a bunch of inside jokes and things, really the structure of the pit, all the little bells and whistles, the pieces, the things we've discussed over the years And it's just, it's an incredible design. I cannot stop staring at it. You can pick that up at etsy.com slash shop slash Game of Roses. And by the way, if you are thinking about getting the book, How to Win a Bachelor, but you just don't want to get it yet, you're like, I don't buy books on pre-order. I buy them when they come out and I can just go to the bookstore and grab it. You're not going to be able to enter our contest if you wait until the publishing date. The contest will end because the contests are trying to get pre-orders. So... Just something to think about, you know, smash that pre-order button. Smash. Sound off in the comments. (laughs) Smash the pre-order button and sound off in the comments. Yes. But thank you again, everybody, for joining us. (laughs) And we will be back next week to cover the final episode of Bachelorette Season 18, Michelle Young. We've got the three-hour finale. It's going to be the last episode plus the live in-studio after the final rose. Can't wait to see Nate walk away with that ring. And we're probably going to see Clayton <laughs> Eckerd also showing up to... Crack 100K. Do his first duty as Bachelor, yeah, on screen. Oh. And I think maybe he'll he'll crack 100K at that point. Yes. I predict he'll crack 100K next week. But maybe only two players this season. I don't know if Brandon's going to make it up in the finale. He has 40K to go. But listen for our finale breakdown next week. And you're also going to want to... You're going to want to listen to our podcast next week. That's all I'm going to keep saying. It's going to be a good week of Game of Roses. Next Friday is December 24th. That may have some significance to anyone who observes certain Christian traditions. It's known as Christmas Eve. And we may have a very special present for everyone on Christmas Eve. (laughs) Until then, as always, what is that drawback? It has been 7,207 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. 
Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then 